the key point is there you're partnering with people who specialize in those different market classes so you're yeah. able to uh, really excel as well hello and welcome to pillars of wealth creation where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate i'm your host todd dexheimer now let's get to it Hello and welcome back to Pillars of Wealth Creation. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. With me as always on these wacky Wednesdays, we got Matt Jones, uh, co-host Matt. How you doing, man? I'm doing fine. How about you, co-host Todd? <laughs> I'm doing good. I'm doing good. So Matt, uh, what are we going to talk about today? Well, we're going to be talking about how you recently went into retail, uh, you know, kind of mm -hmm. ventured away from multifamily and senior assisted living. And so yeah. I think our listeners would want to know like, why did you transition to re well not tr necessarily transition but start yeah, yeah, doing yeah. a little retail i was gonna say let, let's yeah. let's make sure people don't well i didn't transition i yeah. went into retail it's interesting i had a call i had a phone call with an investor and a potential investor and he was talking about um kind of some of his criteria this person has invested in a lot of different deals and uh w was talking about how they would never invest in somebody's deal if it's the first time even if they've got experience even if they've done a lot of deals they would never invest with somebody who goes from like let's call it multifamily to retail he would never invest in that first retail deal he would wait until they have at least one retail deal under their belt and can show some success and that's actually how we approached this deal because I would say the same thing. I would never invest in a retail deal or a, a industrial deal or you name it if you don't have experience in it, some sort of experience in it. You know, go ahead and do something small that's fine with your own money. But when you're bringing in investors' money, you want to be careful. And so that's how we approach this, this deal, quite frankly, is we had another group, Obsidian, who we partnered, they're a local Twin Cities uh, real estate investment company. And we partnered with them last year on an office industrial building, which has done really well. And but who knows, we might sell if we, right now looking like we might be able to get a pretty good price. And, but if we keep it, it's going to cash flow wonderfully. So it was a great experience. Things went really smooth with that asset. And, uh, you know, this opportunity came about and it was, again, I'm not going to invest in retail without having that experience, but with having an experienced partner, Obsidian, and uh, we partnered with another uh, gentleman, Mark, uh, NPR. So th them together have just a wealth of knowledge in the retail space, lots of experience, lots of, you know, exits and have done really well. And so, and the, one of our partners is uh, the broker and, and uh, with, with mid America, which is also our property management company who's doing all the leasing and the market research and all that kind of stuff. And so it works out really well in this case uh, for us to then transition to do in a retail space or, you know, last year doing that industrial office building. And it makes a lot of sense. It also allows us to present a different opportunity to our investors, right? Our investors are very used to our multifamily properties and they love our multifamily deals. But 
they don't get a lot of access to all alternative assets outside of multifamily. And this allows them to diversify their portfolio a little bit and mitigate some of their risks. Yeah. And I mean, that makes sense, especially with, you know, different asset classes are on different market cycles as well. Yeah. I mean, different assets, yeah, exactly. Different, different market cycles. Um, there's different risk profiles to multifamily versus retail. Uh, there's just different value add opportunity. There's a lot of differences between them and, and some strengths and some weaknesses between both of them. Uh, but we really liked the, what this opportunity was. And we can dive into a little more, more details of why we like retail. And um, so I'm talking to the listeners right now, and, and I would really caution the listeners to jump into something they're not super familiar with, something they don't have the experience with. Uh, you know, I just did, but again, I partnered with people that have a lot of experience in retail and the previous year in uh, office industrial. And, and the reason why I would say that is because, you know, who knows, Matt, but I think, I feel like we're probably heading into a recession. Who knows how that'll affect multifamily, retail, office, industrial, you name it. But if we're heading into recession, you just have less margins. I feel like real estate prices are at or near a peak and we might see a little bit of a valley. I personally don't think it's going to get super deep, but it, 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 it could. But regardless, you just, I feel like have less margin. Think about if you bought a building in 2013, 2014, you know, near the bottom, you could have made a ton of mistakes. And of course, this is hindsight, right? But you could have made a ton of mistakes and you still would have been doing just fine. But go back to 2005 and let's say, Matt, you went and bought a property in 2005 and you made a bunch of mistakes. What happened? I'd lose it probably. You probably lost that property, right? In 2000. Eight, the 2007, 2008, the market fell out. The bottom completely fell out. Now that was a really bad recession. Obviously that was really bad for real estate, especially, but that's reality. That's what happens. And so why would I put my neck out there and getting into a new asset class that I'm not familiar with? So for those listeners are going, wow, you know, He's doing retail, he's doing multifamily, he's got an office industrial, he's doing senior housing. Like, I want to do that too. Uh, wait a second, just be careful if you're going to go do that. You want to make sure that you're protecting your assets. You want to make sure you're protecting your investment, your investor's investment. So make sure you're partnering with reputable people that have experience already. Yeah, I think that's the key. I mean, when I talk to new investors who are trying to figure out what kind of real estate investing to do, you know, I tell them, you know, decide on one asset class and really focus on that really well. But you're yeah. at a point where where you're able to expand, but you're uh, the the key point is there you're partnering with people who specialize in those different market classes, so you're yeah. able to uh, really excel as well. Yeah, when I told the you know that the potential investor that I was on the phone and you know we were just talking about. Uh, that. And I said, well, I just recently did that. And, but this is what I did. And he's like, I would have invested in that deal. You know, and, and that's, that's the key is, can you feel confident in the execution of that deal? If it relies on you only and your laughing, lack of experience, how many mistakes will you make? And you just will. I make mistakes, Matt. I mean, do we make 
mistakes all the time on our multifamily stuff. And we have a ton of experience. So how many more mistakes do you think I'm going to make on the retail stuff, on the industrial office stuff? I just, I'm going to make way more mistakes than I make on the multifamily. I already make enough on that. And so let's partner with the right people so we can avoid some of the really stupid mistakes that are going to cost us and our investors a ton of money. Yeah. I mean, everybody makes mistakes. I think that's just part of being a human being. Smart people uh, learn from their own mistakes, but the, the truly smart people learn from other people's mistakes. So when you're bringing in these partners that have already made those mistakes and have already right. learned from them, then you know, you're getting the best case scenario right there. And then I'm also curious, uh, why retail right now? You know, with the advent of uh, Amazon and that's growing and, and, you know, grocery deliveries, people are Uh just ordering their stuff online uh, instead of going to stores uh, as much as they used to. Yeah, great question. A lot of people think that, you know, all, you know, Amazon and all these online have been such a big disruptor in the industry. And I would say they have to an extent, right? But what they haven't, taken away is that retail experience that people want to be at a retail center. They just do. They want to see things. They want tangible things. And also retail centers have really changed what they are. So if you look at some of our um, our shops in there, so we're bringing in X-Golf, okay? X-Golf is a video simulator for for golfers. Minnesota has the the most amount of golfers per capita. And uh, so you're bringing in this video simulator, X-Golf, people come in, they enjoy themselves. There's there's golf leagues, there's lessons, there's all kinds of stuff. And they come in in the winter, which if you're in Minnesota, you get pretty long winters. I mean, it's mad, it's, it's October 20th. It snowed, what, five, six days ago. Uh, October 19th, it snowed five, six days ago. So, you know, we, our golfing season is nearly over. I mean, if you're a diehard golfer, maybe you're going to be out for a little while longer, uh, maybe this weekend when it's going to be 70. But, you know, the last couple of days, it's been high in the, you know, 30s with some wind, a lot of wind. And so you're not outside, you're in X golf, you're hitting the golf ball there. And so that's a business that's really helping the retail center out. We've got restaurants in there. Uh, those, you can't go to a restaurant online, right? It, we've got a, a, an auto parts store. Can you buy auto parts online? Sure, definitely. Uh, but I think that's a store a lot of people like to go to to get their their vehicle parts. They want it right now. You know, something broke now, and they want it now. They don't want to wait. Um, appliances, appliances, are they sold online? Yeah, but most people want to see them. And here's where these retail. When we talk appliances, when we talk auto parts. Here's where our clothing, okay, that's clothing is huge. People want to go there, they want to try it on, and they might even order online, Matt, but they went to that store first, and then they likely make the purchase online through that store. Oftentimes, these retailers now are requiring a little bit less space, and they have a little bit less inventory, and a lot of it is, well, you like that? Okay, perfect. We're going to order that and we'll get it directly shipped to your house. So the good retail shops have a good online presence and they also have a store presence. If you look at Amazon, they've got storefronts, right? So 
I think a little bit of both there, but, and, and really spreading out who you've got in your retail. We've got Liberty tax. We've got, you know, there's, there's all kinds of different, um, you know, again, restaurants and, um, banks and, and those types of things that's still going to be needing a brick and mortar. Um, retail sales have really bounced back even since the pandemic. So, so, I mean, there, there's other retail out there as well. How do you make sure that your retail is competitive with, uh, uh, you know, the other options that are out there? Yeah, good, good question. First of all, we, you know, we're, we are owners of the retail shopping center. We're not owners of the direct mm-hmm. retail stores. But we are trying to look at our center and say, okay, what are the tenants that we really want in there? We want to make sure we've got a variety of tenants. Okay. We want to make sure we have some tenants that are that, uh, you know, that necessity type business. You know, that was a big uh, term during COVID where you had certain businesses that stayed open. We've got a liquor store there. Liquor store has been deemed a necessity. I think when times are hard, uh, the government says everybody wants to get drunk. Uh, so we got to keep those liquor stores open. So we have a liquor store open, you know, there we've got, uh, you know, you've got some restaurants there, which weren't necessarily deemed, uh, you know, a hundred percent needed. So those did close down, but just a variety of entertainment and uh, shopping and uh, necessity type businesses. Um, we want to make sure they're strong businesses. They've got a, a good online reputation. Um, you know, they're very desirable. They're going to drive a lot of traffic. Uh, but as far as like the retail itself goes, we're looking for excellent location. We want top notch premium prime location. So we have a location where we've got tons of vehicles driving by our property every single day. It's one of the busiest corridors in the entire Twin Cities. Uh, It's a really nice area, you know, very affluent area. Um, And it's a rundown, not rundown, it's not horrible, but it's an a shopping center that needs updates. So we're just going to modernize it, make it look really good. And properties nearby look really nice. And so it'll drive highly affluent people to the area. And I think that's really important when you're looking at retail right now is who is spending money. It's the affluent people that are spending the most amount of money and will likely continue when a recession happens. Um, and so it's, I think right now, real estate, and this is multifamily included, uh, but real estate is all about location, location, location. It's never been truer. Um, today it is so true. And that's, that's what we're basing all of our acquisitions on is location. That makes sense. I mean, you could have the nicest uh, shopping center in the world, but if it's located in the middle of a shady neighborhood, then or with just poor frontage, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's where you know an apartment. It's not quite as important to have the frontage and helps, right? But a retail is so important. Easy in, easy out. Uh, am I driving by it? Look, if if I am if I am driving that and I don't see that there's a retail center there, I'm probably not going to stop by, right? It's just it's so there's so many knee jerk stops where people are like, Oh, look there. Oh, let's stop. You know? And I, yeah, there's plenty of people that put it in their Google maps, but if it's hard to get to, if it's just not in a great location, um, 
you know, hard, hard uh, egress, ingress, you know, just, just lots of stuff to think about. Yeah, makes sense. And, you know, your tenants, you want them to succeed because they're going to retain, you know, stay there for a long time and pay rent. And, uh, you know, what sort of updates are you doing to help attract those affluent uh, customers to help your uh, businesses? Yeah, a lot of exterior. So, I mean, the park, the parking lot definitely is in, in need of, of uh, a resurface. So we're doing that. Lots of new lighting around uh, to really jazz that up. We're doing some patios for some of the tenants that are there. Uh, we are, we are doing some landscaping uh, and then the facade, the exterior facade, you know, it's just a tired building that was built in the eighties that we're going to you know, just really put some nice finishes on the facade. Most of these commercial buildings, the, you know, the, you got the roof and then you've kind of got a, a false, um, false front that goes above the roof on it. Most of that can just be ripped off and redone. It's pretty inexpensive overall to do. And so that's exactly what we're doing. We're, we're removing that. We're putting on kind of some nice uh, wood, uh, almost almost like a wood panel. It's hard to describe, but um, pretty modern what a lot of the retail are doing, especially in that area. And just really jazzing up the outside to make it look really nice uh, to help drive more customers to to that location. I mean, people want to, people want to shop where they feel like, Hey, this is pretty nice. It's just, it's just how it is. You know, how do you, you know, underwrite it? Like, uh, you know, I know how to underwrite multifamily, but uh, you know, retail just seems so foreign to me. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, very similar, Matt. I mean, it's, it's still profit loss, right? It's still how much rent am I getting in? How many expenses am I, am I incurring? But uh, I think some of the big Here's, here's some of the big differences, okay? With retail, I've got what's called a triple net lease. You might not have triple net leases, but in our case, we do. Um, and so the tenant then will pay a lot of your expenses or all of your expenses. And so what we have is we have a lease and here's, here's this is a benefit and, and not a benefit. So with high inflation, it's nice to have these leases that are locked in because our expenses just are being covered by the tenant. We don't have higher expenses. The, the tenant is covering those expenses. But the, the bad thing is I locked it in long-term and so their rents aren't going up as fast as what they could otherwise go up. So you've got a plus and a minus where in multifamily, I can continue to raise my rent every single year. I can go 10, 15, 20% if that's what the market is doing. With retail, you know, if we locked it in for 3%, that's it's 3%. That's what it's doing. But at the same time, they're all they're covering my expenses too. So uh, with retail, I'll lock in, you know, let's call it a, a five, seven, maybe even longer uh, year lease. We've got a rent escalator. We've got it spelt out what, what expenses they're covering exactly. Um, the other nice thing is, Matt, when we do a parking lot, when we do a roof, everybody shares in the expense of that parking lot or that roof. And so if we're doing major renovations that are necessity renovations, you know, not redoing the front facade because we want, we want it to look nicer, that we can't charge back to the, to the tenants. But if we're doing a parking lot that everybody's going to benefit from, that is a necessity item, we will actually take and charge that back to the tenants and they'll have to pay their portion of that. So those are really cool things. 
that we can do. Um, and, but you have to know that to be able to underwrite it. The other thing, I theory, here's the thing that I think a lot of people get stuck on is, or, or miss on with office, with retail, is that you've got leasing fees. And those leasing fees are expensive. And so I've got to pay a leasing broker to find me a, a tenant, right? And even if you find your own tenant, a lot of times they'll have somebody representing them. Okay. And so you'll have to pay that broker. And let's just say you got a tenant that's in your property already and their lease is expiring. You want to make sure you account for leasing fees and you go, well, I'll just negotiate them myself. Well, maybe, but maybe you negotiate that lease. You think you got it all teed up. And then a broker comes in and talks to the the tenant and goes, Hey, I'll represent you. And they go, why would I want you to represent me? Where do you have this lease signed? They go, well, what are you signing it for? Well, I'm signing it for 18 bucks a square foot. And they go, Hey, look, the property next door is going for 15. And this property over here is going for 14. I'll get you a better lease term. If you'll just sign this with me, they'll pay my commission. I will negotiate on your behalf. And I'll get you your, your rent for instead of 18, I'll get you down to 15. And they go, okay, sounds great. And so now you got to pay for that extension, that lease extension, you got to pay a broker. Now that doesn't always happen, but it, it happens a lot. And so you want to make sure you account for those leasing expenses. And then the last expense a lot of people forget about is the, the tenant improvement expenses, the TI. Okay. So, so leasing fees and, and tenant improvements, TI expenses. When I got a tenant that moves in, a lot of times they're going to say, hey, you know, Mr. Landlord, we'll, we'll pay you 18 bucks a square foot, but here's what we want. We want you, we don't have the money up front today. We can pay on a monthly term, but we don't have the money up front today to do the renovations needed to fix this place up, to get it to rentable space for us. So we want you to give us a credit of 25 bucks a square foot. So we can renovate this space. Okay. Sounds good. And so we give them 25 bucks or whatever we end up negotiating per square foot. And that's an upfront cost. Okay. That makes sense. And then uh, hopefully they're there for a while. Well, yeah. That, so you're signing, you know, five oh, yeah, or yeah. seven year, 10 year leases, whatever it might be. And the shorter the lease, of course, the less you're going to give them in tenant improvements and you're going to probably charge them a little bit more per square foot. And, you know, if, if they're a high uh, credit tenant, you know, let's say you're signing a lease with a Starbucks, right? Well, okay. We, we know they're, they're very low risk tenant, but if you're signing a lease with Joe's coffee shop that they just are opening their brand new business and they've never sold anything, that's a pretty high risk tenant. You want a personal guarantee and you know, you just, that that's a risky lease right there. What's the lending situation like for the retail? Um, so it's, you, it's hard to get the agency debts unless you're getting into big, you know, um, big kind of more institutional type of retail, um, industrial and so on. So it, you usually you're going local bank and that's exactly what we did. We want the local bank, 25 year amortization, you know, locked it in for, um, what was it? Seven years, 10 years, um, pretty solid interest rate, you know, so, but that's kind of what you're getting as local bank, uh, 
going to have to likely put some sort of personal guarantee. It might not be a hundred percent personal guarantee, but you know, 25, 50, hundred percent personal guarantee on the debt. And what else uh, were you surprised about uh, when you started going into uh, the retail, you know, based on your background? I guess pleasantly surprised, Matt, and I don't know about surprised, but pleasantly surprised by the professionalism uh, between everybody. And now I didn't deal with the tenants exactly, but, you know, professionalism with the tenants, professionalism with the contractors, um, just, just a higher degree of, it feels like professionalism within the industry. Um, you it felt like we're dealing with more competent contractors and just, just overall, just more competent people. We're with multifamily, not that you're dealing with incompetent people, but it just feels like it's more of a cutthroat uh, industry, a lot more mon pa, where the retail and the industrial and the office are just a little bit more professional and uh, institutional grade feeling. And did you get uh, uh, professional property management or are you self-managing? No, professional property management. Yep. And this is all they do is retail. Yep. So, I mean, look, we, we, we like it. We're excited for the opportunity. We think there's a ton of upside. Uh, there, there's opportunity to do a few different things too. We've got additional land um, with this building. So we can potentially do a ground lease or a build out where we can really increase some upside there. And so, so there's, there's just a lot of different opportunities that we can take advantage of. Uh, the rents are very low. This was owned by a guy who just wasn't a great owner. Uh, and so the, the rents were low and the tenants weren't being taken care of. And, and so there's just a lot of meat on the bone in that case as well. So. Nice. It's kind of a diamond in the rough there. It sounds like you found. Yeah, I feel a, a bit of a, a bit of a diamond in the rough. I mean, there's definitely uh, work to do. It's not that it's just uh, sitting here primed and ready for us to go, but there's, with, with, I think a fairly minimal amount of work, we've got one of the best locations you could ask for and just a, just a lot of opportunities in there. And how did you find this deal? Uh, my partners brought it to me. One of the partners actually works for the company that, um, you know, had, had the relationship with the seller. Oh, okay. So, yeah, this guy had tried to sell for, for quite some time and really hard, hard to deal with guy. So it fell out of contract and um, yeah, just, just was, just was a hard person to kind of deal with right up until the end, there was some silly stuff going on. And hmm. so, yeah, a lot, a lot, several people had it under contract and it fell out and, you know, nobody could get it closed. Well, in a way that's a, an advantage for you because then uh, it's scaring away all these other people that, uh, you know, would have gotten it uh, for a similar or, you know, better price. And um, you're able to go in there and. Yeah. You know, it's funny, Matt, I would say the vast majority of our deals that we purchase have been under contract and fell out of contract either because of the seller or because of the market. You know, we had a couple during COVID where, you know, all of a sudden, all of a sudden COVID happens and people are freaking out uh, because the buyer's incompetent, whatever it might be. Um, there's just been, almost every deal, it seems like we will, we're, we're like the second or third one that they call uh, or, or that, you know, uh, but, but, but I think these brokers know we can close. 
And so if it fell through once or twice, they know they don't have many opportunities. They'll call us because they know we can get it closed. I think one, one other thing that is maybe a trap too with retail is that vacancies, vacancies can sit for a while. Um, so it's not, you know, it's not residential. It's not like a, a tenant moves out and the next tenant moves in the next day. Uh, this happens, you know, tenant moves out. A lot of times that space has to become vacant before anybody even is interested in it. Sometimes you can pre-lease it, but a lot of times you're not. That space becomes vacant. Sometimes it's maybe not the highest and best use anymore for the space. You might have to white box it, which basically is you're, you're ripping out everything that's in there and you're just making it a clean blank slate again. Um, the right tenant has to walk in and want that space and they have to want all of that space. Or if they want part of it, then now you have to figure out how can you divide that space? Does it make sense? And if you do, then you got to find two tenants for that space. Um, or maybe they want more space. And so you got to figure out if you can move another tenant. So there's, there's lots of challenges that happen and, and then they got to do their build out. And a lot of times you're not getting rent until that build out is completed. So that's another thing too, is your vacancy rates are, you, you need to underwrite for higher vacancy rates than you would in multifamily, just because you've got a lot more time as that unit becomes vacant. Now you might have less vacancy, but when you do have the vacancy, it typically sits for a little bit longer. But how long is it usually between tenants? Oh man, Matt, that, I mean, one month to 24 months. <laughs> there's so many factors that play into that. Um, but you know, if you got a good location, you should be able to get that tenant out and new tenant in and paying rent within, you know, with retail and, and the type of center that we have, you know, within a couple months. Well, I don't have anything else unless you got any more questions. No, I think that's it for today. All right. Have a fantastic rest of the day, Matt. Make every day Saturday. Thanks. You as well. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I appreciate you being a loyal listener. Say, I would love to have you go on to our Facebook page and subscribe. Uh, give us a thumbs up. Go on to iTunes or wherever you listen and give us a rating and review. Don't forget to subscribe. Your rating and review just helps us push this out to more and more people and continue to grow our audience and hopefully positively affect a ton of people out there that really need this and, and want this. So uh, the other thing I've got for you is a free ebook on my website. So go on to venturedproperties.com, venturedproperties.com and download our free ebook uh, on real estate and on syndication. And I've got some data points in there, some really good stuff for you. So I'd love to have you take a look at that. It's free. I'm not expecting anything from it. Uh, and, and also, look, if you want some help in multifamily, want some help learning, growing, getting your business off the ground, I would love to talk to you about what it would look like uh, to work with me potentially and see if that's a good fit. So you can go to coachwithdex.com and check that out and uh, we can definitely have a, uh, a call. Thanks a lot for listening. You make it a fantastic rest of the day. I'll catch you on the next episode.